Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Joining me, you're getting familiar. Uh, this this has become a familiar face uh, as uh, co-host Etienne Nichols. Etienne, welcome back. Thanks, John. Good to be back. All right. I dig your studio setup. I got to figure out how to mimic oh, some way. 100 bucks and I'll get you there. <laughs> <laughs> but the books, I mean, that's those aren't virtual oh. books. Those are Those are real books. That was my own design too. I'll have to tell you about the design of that um, yeah. sometime. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about contract manufacturing here in a moment. So maybe we can lace that into the conversation. But also joining us is uh, a repeat guest, uh, Mark Rikovitz with Innovise and, and Casoso. Mark, welcome back. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Well, nice to see you again. Good to be back. Well, today, uh, Etienne, what are we talking about? So we're talking about how to select a contract manufacturer. Um, yeah. So this is a, this is a good lots one. of ways. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one because I'm this is something that um you know I've dealt with this some, but I know there are lots of aspects of this that I I'm excited to learn about. So well, and, you know, a lot of our listeners I know are are startups or smaller companies, and I, I think um you know probably see I've been in the industry for about 23 years. I remember it was probably a, a good 15 or so years ago there was a trend. Um, the huge trend at that time was outsource everything uh, for medical device companies. In fact, there was a huge outsourcing uh, to you know places in China and that sort of thing because you know it's cheaper, faster, whatever. Uh, I think that pendulum's come back. I don't. I, there's still some outsourcing to China, but there's still a theme of outsourcing, and especially for a startup company. I mean, they're not. They're probably not going to build a brick and mortar. Um, Mark, you, you, you are a contract manufacturer. I know you have some specialization with your contract manufacturing, but you've been in the industry uh, quite a bit longer than I have. I'm sure you've seen all these trends. What, what, is the, what, what are your latest, greatest, what, what's happening in the world of contract manufacturing? Yeah, it's about 20 years ago. I really started seeing, I remember talking to a company about 20 years ago. It's like, how many people in your company? Four. It's like, four people. It's like, yeah, he's, he's ahead of design and he's working with a contract design house. I'm head of quality and this person's the head of operations and supply chain. And so they're dealing with a contract manufacturer that's building the product. Right. So four people basically run the company and everything's outsourced. So it's like, what? And that's almost the model today because, you know, if you're a startup and you have so much dollars, where are you going to spend your money? I want to, I want to, I'm not going to spend my money building a manufacturing plant that's going to build hundred parts for the clinical trial and then sit idle for two years while the clinical trial gets yeah, done. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So um, that's why. So manufacturing is where it started contract, but now, you know, you look at the FDA registration things, you can, you know, you can register as a contract manufacturer for the design control. You can register as a contract manufacturer for manufacturing. You can register as a contract manufacturer for post-market. So you can outsource your complaint handling and there's companies that just do that. So you can outsource, you know, all these different aspects. And that's all part of contract manufacturing. I'll call it contract manufacturing, but it's contracting aspects of your business, um, depending on the size you're doing. I mean, accounting too. I mean, you don't necessarily need, if you don't have a lot of dollars going in and out, you know, if you don't need a lot of, you don't need a full-time staff, 
for that. But if you if you have the plant, and uh, then the, the plus here is on contract manufacturers can build out the equipment. And so this is actually interesting. So I started doing contract working with contract manufacturers back in the 80s and early 90s. So when I was right. doing an implant, I was working at, uh, it was cardiac pacemakers at the time. And we were making our own programmers. We were soldering circuit boards for the programmers, for the pacemakers. It's like, we make pacemakers. We don't make programmers. And we had to buy new technology, more equipment, because you know it wasn't, it's like, Let's not do that. Let's outsource. So I remember going to like the first, you know, outsourcing our circuit board manufacturing. Yeah. Ah. And so learning about that, it's like, wow, you have all this new technology because they have to, you know, circuit board manufacturers, especially in the US, you know, they're really not going to get the volume here. I mean, if you have high volume, that's going to be done out, you know, outside the US typically because of labor costs. But uh, more and more of it's being automated. So as you automate the machines, um, and a lot of contract manufacturers do that, they try and, you know, they try to save costs and with volume and then design their machines to be flexible so they right. can keep them running all the time. So, you know, as us, as a contract manufacturer here, you know, we have a lot of customers that, you know, order once a quarter and we can run it in two days. And, you know, that would be totally, you know, non-value added for them to, you know, have a plant that runs for two days and stuff like that. And we've had a lot of customers that, oh, you just do all our manufacturing for us. And then if we don't have business, we just move those people to a different project, different right. equipment and stuff. So a question for you. I mean, because clearly, I mean, we've talked before. I mean, the term medical device is so broad. I mean, it covers such a wide array of materials, technologies, et cetera, et cetera. So clearly not all manufacturing is the same. And so let's imagine that I'm, you know, startup or maybe even a small company that thought, oh, I could do my manufacturing, but but I'm at a point where, where I need to engage uh, a contract manufacturer. How do I, I mean, how do I find the, the, the options? How do I, what should I be looking for? What, what sort of characteristics should I, uh, you know, or should it be in my backyard? Should I look overseas? You know, what are, what are some of your thoughts about that? Like how, how can, you know, we help folks develop sort of a checklist as far as, uh, you know, the evaluation. Yeah. I actually wrote a white paper on this and it, it's actually, that white paper is actually out on, uh, MBDI. Well, wherever it is, yeah. send it over yeah, to but, it. And we'll, yeah. So it. yeah, the concept is, is all those things you want to look at. You know, you typically, most people just look at cost, you know, what's it going to cost? I'll go to the cheapest cost. That'll be great. I went, well, that's, that's one of the things you should be looking for. Um, but you know, the, you know, look at, look at where they're located to, you know, the closer they are now today with COVID and stuff, everybody's learning more digital, but still going to the plant and seeing the products and seeing when, as they're manufacturing, if they're making it right, understanding it is important. So you might not have to go there every day, but you're going to go there regularly. I'd, so if I, you know, the farther away they get, said I wanted to be, I always said I wanted to be in strangling distance of my my suppliers. That's a good thing. <laughs> and vice versa, though. They could be, I was also in strangling distance with them. So yeah, the farther away you get the manufacturer, the more um, you're relying on them to do stuff. No, so it's, it's really simple. You know, they're making tubing and cutting it to a certain length. Okay, that's easy. Um, as they're making the device, as you're doing assembly, as they're, you know, how many things to look at is how complex is your product? You know, mm -hmm. how many validations, process validations will be needed? And, you know, you have to know that yourself going in. The contract manufacturer is only going to do what you want them, you tell them to do. They're going to quote you um, all these things. And so that's, you know, as Innovise here, we quote these things and say, hey, you know, you don't need, 
some things you need validations for and some things you don't. You know, if, if it's, a, you know, if it can't be verified by a subsequent inspection or test, it needs to be validated. So typically package seals, you know, bonds and stuff like that, laser welds and stuff like that all have to be validated. But there's parts that don't have to be validated. You know, if you can see that it's this dimension, you don't have to validate it. But if you do validate it, then you know the capability of the process and you know what, how good your parts are going to be. Right. So you really want to do more validation than what's really required, depending on how much controls, inspections, and tests you want to throw in. And now if you can say, hey, I want you to do this functional test and it's a computer system and you run the test and the software does it all, great. Um, that's good. But then you got the upfront work with that. But well, let you know, me, working with let me jump in on that too, because um, you, know, you mentioned cost a moment ago. Um, what you're describing is an element of cost, but, but to, if you're not educated, it's going to seem like the, the contract manufacturer that that's going to validate more might be more expensive to get started, but it's going to be, uh, less expensive, uh, uh, after they've gone through that validation because it doesn't require the humans to do the actual inspections. Right. So, so these are you know, somewhat complicated, but you have to think about the upfront cost versus the long-term costs. Right. And validation is a huge benefit. Right. And if, yeah, by validating, you, you can, you can get more confidence and you don't have to worry about that down the road. Now, how much money do you have? You know, you know, like even, you know, and then sterilization requires. So contract manufacturers, sterilizers are all contract manufacturers. So if you need product sterilized, that has to happen. That's actually very specific. So, I mean, there are standards, ISO standards for what the contract manufacturers do for sterilization and the costs are fairly fixed and you know what that is. Um, but then if you get into injection molding and you get into catheter assembly and those types of things, those you really want to talk to uh, the manufacturer about. Now, when you're working with a contract manufacturer, so, you know, cost is one key thing location and availability of what they can what services can they provide you know can they do validation can they do this you know how much can they do you know can they push things out to other ones so they can't do sterilization but they can ship it to the sterilizer great versus no no we don't do any labeling you know we we can do the part but then you have to send somebody else to package and label and then somebody else sterilizes it so you have yeah. to understand what your supply chain is um when you're working with a contract manufacturer, it's like, well, I want them to make this. Well, how much information are you going to give them? You need to, if you want to get a good quote, you have to give them all the information you possibly have. It's like, who are the suppliers you've used? What's the cost you've been? It's like, what's the expectations? Like, well, I want them to, to figure it out. Um, yeah, they can, but you're not going to get a good number. Or you're going to get somebody that's going to lowball you to get the business. And then you're going to get nickel and dimed and yeah. it's going to cost you a ton more in the back end. And so it's really the service that they provide and the kind of questions they ask, you know, do they really know the medical device industry? And if they ask those questions, great. Now, if you're, if you're not as experienced, you know, when you go out and look for, and so I did this, I was, I've been on both sides. I mean, I'm a manufacturer and trying to find contract manufacturers, actually the job right before Innovise, I was in a company, we were moving from Canada to the United States, this company. And so we had to, <clears throat> we're looking at some contract manufacturers and we, we looked at like, uh, you know, 10 different contract manufacturers for some catheter assembly and packaging and asked them questions. And it was interesting to see what each of them were asking. And it's like, some of them asked things. It's like, oh, okay. And some of them didn't. It's like, well, how can you quote this? You can quote yeah, it, I but I mean, in the back I, I've been through that too. Like if there's, there's tells, right? When, when you're in the process of trying to identify potential contract manufacturers, um, it's it's for all intents and purposes there's an element of it that's like an interview um you're essentially 
at the end of the day, you're going to be hiring this resource to represent your company in some form or fashion. So you should treat it as an interview. And if, if some contract manufacturers don't, don't ask or seem interested about attributes or, or whatever the case may be, I mean, that they may not pass the, the, that sniff test. So, you know, that should raise your, your uh, antenna or spidey senses just a little bit. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, I talk to one company, like, you want this, 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 why are you doing all of this? It's like, sometimes like you're, you're doing an overkill. It's like, well, depending on the kind of device, it's like, it's like I got to do a gauge R and R. I got to, it's like, okay, I only need you to make a hundred parts. You know, you've got to, you know, so sometimes with a contract manufacturer, they're going to quote you based on the technology they have. So do they have the technology that, you know, I can make you a hundred thousand parts every year. Well, I need a hundred. Well, we don't want to touch you. Yeah. Versus this company, I can do a hundred parts, but I can't do a hundred thousand. Okay. So do you want somebody that can scale? Yes or no? Or it's like, oh, I'm going to, we're going to qualify this contract manufacturer for upfront because they're cheaper and I don't need to scale yet. And then when I scale, I'm going to move over here. Well, if you're going to do that, understand what those requirements are. And do you have the information to share there? Um, but because you're going to have to revalidate then because you're switching manufacturers and you check, you're switching the manufacturing process. Even the molds are a key thing here. It's like, there's now companies that, you know, you can 3D print a mold and you get a thousand hits off it. So you get the plastic part, you get a thousand, but then you got to requalify the mold down the road. And that's great yeah. for your clinical trial. But if you want a mold that makes, you know, a million parts a year, it's going to have to be this really high and expensive mold with heating elements and all these sensors in it and stuff like that. So it's Absolutely. volume is really key. I mean, that's really the, the key aspect of, you know, price, the price of the part and what your volume is going to be is, is directly related because there's some, there's some fixed costs always and let's your NRE. Well, it's like. One thing uh, I was I'm, curious about. Well, sorry, go ahead, John. No, you, your mic sounds better than mine. <laughs> go for it. No. So I was curious. So you mentioned about some contract manufacturers, um, you know, do they have medical device experience or not? Uh, so I'm curious what your thoughts are on the overlap of quality management systems. Um, what, what is covered under their quality management system? What's covered under your quality management system? How do the two interact? What are your thoughts uh, there? Uh, yeah, that's really key. And that's really the latest thing. I and mean, that's what Europe is really pushing on the MDRs is more supplier quality management. So it's like today we're seeing all the more, a lot more companies um, asking these kind of questions. And this is what they should be doing because there's, there's no central database. Here's all the companies because a lot of people play in different markets. So Innovise, we're contract manufacturing converting. You know, we started getting into medical device only like 15 years ago. And we were the only converters at like the MDM shows. Now there's like 15 converters at the MDM shows. So more people are touching into it. So are you intermixing, you know, I'm doing automotive, but I'm not going to do medical. Well, the automotive quality systems are different than medical device quality system. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, at least you have a quality system. Right. So you have, you have the controls. Um, aerospace too, and those kind of things. But as a as a medical device manufacturer to a contract manufacturer, you really want to set up. Um, if you have a partnership, is you need to have a, you 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 know, you sort of do a survey just to understand the scope, and you may do you may do an audit. Now, audits are, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you really need to have a quality agreement with that contract manufacturer. So supplier quality agreement. And what I've seen the best practices is really it's a quality agreement, and and it lists all the sections sort of the standard, like who's doing what. And you have a box that says, you know, customer, supplier, and who's doing what. Yeah. Yeah. So you, everybody can understand, you know, design controls. Okay. That's the customer. I'm not going to, as, as a contract manufacturer, I am not going to approve your 
I'm not going to approve the design output spec. You're going to do that. You're going to do the design verification. I'm going to do the process validation. You're going to do the complaint handling. And make sure you understand that. Now, you're allowed to do complaints and then the quality agreement you put in that, you know, they can audit us and, and uh, you're supposed to, you know, change control, all the stuff that, you know, don't change anything unless you tell us and get a pre-approval. Um, those kind of things are all in there. Record retention time, those kind of things you want to have in your quality agreement. I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the supplier quality agreement because I think this is where a lot of uh, um, the contract manufacturer relationships break down because you know, it was unclear on who is responsible for what. Um, I mean, that should be a, a pretty thorough document that, to your point, I mean, it's breaking it down clause by clause that it says, you do this, I do this, you do this. And sometimes there's that shared responsibility. But, but I think I, I, I hear a lot of uh, companies that, like they just, they're jumping the gun. They want to get into a relationship with the contract manufacturer without defining all of these things because, you know, they need to make 10 units or a hundred units to support, you know, an animal study or clinical trial or, or what have you. And like, that's, that's a mess. That's, a, that's just a, that's just a recipe for disaster. Right. Yeah. Unless you can, unless you can verify that what they made, you're looking at hundred percent inspecting it before you use it. I mean, it, it depends, but I mean, typically you're going to say the kind of do this, you know how to make the unit. I'm, I'm hiring you because you know how to make these things. You know how to make a catheter. So make a catheter, you know, this is a tubing I want injection mold right. material around it. It's like, uh, okay, what strength do you want? Well, what strength have you used in the past? Okay. I don't know how you're going to use this on a patient. Are you going to, you know, put this up their nose? Or are you going to put it into their heart? Right. Totally different requirements on what the forces are and, and, you know, how lubricious do you want this coatings to be? And it's like, Oh, it's like, if you ever bought a house, okay. Or you, or you work with a, an architect, you want to design a house, you know, with a builder. Okay. I want a house. That's, that's like going to a builder and say, build me a three bedroom house. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I can tell you <laughs> it's going to be $200 a square foot. And until you tell me what you want, I'm not going to be able to quote you a house. So the same thing, contract right. manufacturer, I'm not going to build this. I can tell you what the materials are going to cost. If you want, you know, I want a, t- a five foot long, you know, single lumen, you know, PET catheter with, uh, you know, this much, you know, this, I can tell you what the raw materials are going to cost, but that's not the price we're going to charge you for the material because all the labor and tooling and everything else to set it up. Right. I. I think the the quality agreement, though, I think, you know, this you were, we were going through some checklist items. It seems like, you know, that should be baked into your your supplier quality agreement, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff should be in your supplier quality agreement. And then, you know, I've, I've, I've as, as Consilaso, I've done things where I've given, I've created a couple of templates. Here is a simple supplier quality agreement. It's like three pages, you know, change control, audit, and that kind of thing. And then I have the more detailed one, which goes through, you have every section of the standard. And I've also set up so you can have multi-part, you know, parties. So you have a three-way or something or four-way. It's like, you're doing this then you're going to give it to them. And they're going to like, they're going to manufacture it. They're going to package it. They're going to sterilize it. And we're going to sell it. And it's like, who owns which part? And, and sometimes they're shared. It's like, both of us are going to do this. Well, then if you share it, then you have a note section saying for this aspect, Supplier A is going to do this. Supplier B is going to do this. And then you have like a three-way NDA or something so that y'all can talk, um, depending on who you're working with. Like if you're a totally virtual company, that's what you're going to need to do. Yeah. 
Here's another um, thing I've heard and, and sadly still here today. Uh, so startup company, uh, you know, obviously a lot of folks know Greenlight Guru. We have software that helps companies with their quality management system. And so sometimes we get in these conversations with, with folks and they're like, oh, yeah, your product seems cool, but I don't need to do that. And like, but you're a medical device company. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, my contract manufacturer is handling all that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> So um, you saw my reaction to that. So I'm, I'm curious, what, are, what is your reaction? When companies, no, I'm going to outsource my quality. <laughs> you can't. I mean, it's like, like I said, if companies outsource their design, outsource their manufacturing, they really don't have it themselves. But you have to, you're, you have, still have to have a quality system. And then your quality system has to have really good supplier controls because you're outsourcing everything. So they're expecting, the regulators are expecting you to then be watching your contract manufacturers and auditing them, you know, because they're now, you've outsourced this key aspect. So then they really, you know, and there's what I was talking about, I was going to talk about uh, later here is you, you know, as you, as you pick your suppliers for contract manufacturers, what level of criticality? And so that's, this is a whole concept on risk-based quality systems. What mm -hmm. risk is it? And so you have four different, you know, I typically say you have four different levels of risks for a supplier. Zero, no risk, you know, you know office supplies and that kind of stuff. So three, what you do is going to directly affect the patient experience. You know, yeah. if you mess up, they're going to, they might die because what you're doing. Okay. There's level three. Then there's, you know, in, intermediate levels, you know, um, the raw material suppliers and stuff like that. So these contract manufacturers are your highest level. And so with your highest level ones, you know, you can scale on what kind of information control do you want? You know, on a level like one or, you know, zero, I don't really care if they have a quality system or not because it doesn't matter. But level one and two and three, they all have to have quality systems. You know, keep your ISO cert, great. But level three, I'm going to audit you every year or every other year. There's a way right. of doing it. Now, the latest thing in the industry is there's some, there's some contract manufacturers, they have dedicated audit, support, audit people because, you know, everybody <laughs> comes in and audits them all the time. So the industry came up with Metacred. If you have, you know, if you've talked about that on your podcast in the past, but Metacred oh, oh. is this outsourced organization, similar to what automotive and aerospace did is, or like military, the old DCAS, um, they're actually at the manufacturers pay for them and the suppliers pay for them. And this person sits at the, the contract manufacturer's house and they then do deep dive audits when your product is ready. So you're basically having control right there. So a lot of houses like sterilizers and, you know, you know, uh, forgers that just make metal parts for uh, medical device industry. They have dedicated people that sit there and then Medicred is a process for doing these audits then for contract manufacturers. So that's a whole program. And you really, it's really more the bigger ones that do a lot of it. And, yeah. and that might, that's something saying, if you're a Medicred uh, uh, approved in that thing, I mean, Medicred approved supplier, there are controls in place that the big guys have really put in place. So um, it really would help you that, you know, if I say you're a Medicredit approved suppliers, like I probably don't need to audit you as much. I might still want to audit you once in a while, but you have the controls in place because that's what you, if you get done every day. Interesting. So that's and, even a man, manufacturer that might manufacture auto parts, but they have this division for Medicred or? Uh, Medicred, if you're a Medicred supplier, yeah, all you're doing is medical. Gotcha. And and there's somebody auditing you. There's basically somebody in the plant that's Medicred that's being that's manufacturer's representative for the manufacturers that basically, you know, the Medtronics, the Boston Size, Abbott, and stuff like that. They have 
they pay for this and they have somebody sitting at those manufacturers, those subcontract manufacturers. Cool. So that's sort of new. I mean, that's been basically, I think five years ago, there wasn't any. Then I, I looked on the their database and there's about, um, there's about 40 or 50 manufacturers around the world that are MediCred certified um, that have um, yeah. different things that they're certified for. They're not certified for everything. They can, they might do more, but they're certified for labeling or they're certified for plastic injection molding or they're certified for. Hmm. Yeah. Now FDA, FDA is sort of not directly linked with that, that, you know, doesn't matter, but it's really part of your supplier controls. And if, for Europe, I think that'll, it'll be a, you put that into your process, um, into your supplier control process. You still probably need supplier quality agreements with them. So you understand the scope sure. of stuff. So something John said made me curious. So, so this is still under the umbrella of the supplier quality agreement, kind of. But he said, you know, I like to be within strangling distance. I'm curious about <laughs> if you have any stories about, uh, you know, times you wanted to strangle. What what was it? The certain well, items that could make you want to strangle each other. Oh well, when I was at a, a, the external defibrillator company, we were making circuit. We were based in Minnesota. We were making we were having circuit boards made in South Dakota. Okay, that's you know, try to go cheaper because this labor was cheaper out in, you know, out in the, they were more all in the country and stuff. Um, we switched to a Malaysian supplier that's mm. designed a huge box. It's like, okay, great. I got to go visit them. Okay. 20 hours later on a flight, you're there. You have to stay for a week. Um, how do you do conference calls? They're 12 hours difference time zone. You want to talk to them. When are you going to have your calls? So Absolutely assume nice. you're going to have your calls seven to 10 o'clock at night because that's their morning. And so when you got a contract there, your nights are gone because if you need to talk with them, that's when you're going to have it. That's when they're in the plant. I mean, they might bring three shifts, but when are there engineers there that you want to, or project managers and stuff you want to deal with? So, um, and once you get it fixed and get them going, it works great if you, if you change nothing. But so, there, will, there will be changes. Right. <laughs> there will be changes. <laughs> if you're, you're, I'm making introducers for, that you know, design hasn't changed in 30 years. Fine, outsource that. It's not going to change. It hasn't changed in 30 years. It's not going to change again. Your new company, uh, I would not go there. We've had things like at Innovise, we're contract manufacturers. We've had some people that have taken products that have been outsourced to China and Mexico, and moved them back to the U.S. to us because we automate yeah. the product. They were doing it manually, so we yeah. can provide better quality because it's more consistent because we've automated the processes. So yeah, you're outsourcing it. It's cheaper. But they're doing it manually, so you have more, you know, more. There's more variability in the product, and so the overall quality is not as good. Yeah, um, you um, you said something a moment ago that that I want to dive into a little bit, um, and it's really about scaling. I mean, early on as a company, I'm my volume maybe let's just say in the tens or in the hundreds. Sure, I've got a vision for down the road where I'll be selling tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of units, but but my, I guess my word of caution is, generally speaking, is if I have a contract manufacturer that says they can do the hundreds uh, versus the hundreds of thousands, they can do all of it. That raises a, a flag for me that said, mm, because there's the scale is different. You know, what I have to have from a manufacturing process is dramatically different. What are your thoughts about that? Um you have to be able to go and, and have them show you what they're going to do differently. Now, this is some, there's some contract manufacturers. I want to be able to go on your manufacturing floor and see what you're doing. Some won't let you. 
you, you're not allowed to go back and see what's behind the curtain. Secret you can sauce. talk to us in the conference room, but you can't. Some manufacturers will say, come on in and we'll help you out and show you. And, it, and that's the kind of thing, you know, Innovise does is like, come on, I'll we'll show you the floor. It's like, we scale because, you know, to make small volumes, we're going to have to do it this way because I won't waste yeah. material. And then high volume is going to do it this way. And, that, and it's like, we're going to have to qualify it differently, but we tell them that. So that's the kind of thing you're looking for is, you know, is, is how are you going to do this? And ask them the questions. You you have you have to know what manufact what they're doing. It's like you can't be you know outsourcing. It's like well you do it and and not you still have to own. You're the owner. You own it. You're telling the FDA that you're the owner of the design. You have to own it. And you have you know if you're auditing, you're about there and saying how are you doing this and look at their documentation and see what kind of records they're keeping and um, you never know. You got you know unless you have a history with them. Um, and you know that yeah. they have good records. That's good. I mean, but you don't, if you're, you know, brand new to this, like, well, what does this mean? You might not. And if they're, and if you do an audit of a supplier and they're teaching you stuff, that's one you want probably to use because they're going to, they're going to help you. It's like, why am I doing this? It's because of this, this, and this. It's like, yeah. Oh, you know, versus it's like, we have to do this. Why? Oh, that's what our process says. No, 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 <laughs> no. The standard says that, 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 and this is how we do it. You know, if they help teach you about manufacturing and stuff, that's a good contracting factory because it's like, then you can make decisions based off of, you know, if you've changed things in your design, this is what they're applying it to. And then you can ask them questions. They're they're totally, well, you know, a good contract manufacturer will answer those questions for you. And and you talked about like the, um, the like the rating scale or the criticality of suppliers, you know, contract manufacturer, you know, however you define it within your system is definitely the closer they are to the the product that's going to be used in the patient, the more critical they are. That's sort of my, you know, I guess oh, yeah. yep. rule of thumb, but, but there has to be a partnership, you know, and this is a strategic relationship that you have with them. And, and there needs to be a good enough transparency. I mean, you don't have to tell them all of your secrets and, and, and certainly they may not tell you all of theirs, but there has to be a uh, good communication. There has to be good information exchange. Um, you know, and, and when it comes to scale, I see a lot of startups make mistakes. They they choose a supplier or a contract manufacturer, uh, and they communicate. We're going to be making hundreds of thousands of units. Um, they're not going to do it right out out of the gate, and they don't choose a contract manufacturer that can scale and grow with them. They choose the the, the contract manufacturer that's like full automation, that's you know spitting product out. Uh, uh, but they're not going to be ready for that. And it's just, it's going to, that's going to be a rough, rough relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations of what you, you know, set them, you know, what are your POs going to be? What's your timing? You know, we've had, we've had, con, you know, manufacturers come in. It's like, well, once you do all our manufacturing for us, it's like, okay, then you, you have to, you have to put the money in. It's like, you want a clean room like this? We don't have one. If you want us to do it, that we can, we'll build this and we'll charge you for it. Because, you know, you have to have some skin in the game. And that's part of the agreement, too. It's like you want to do something that's unique that we don't do yet or we want to set it so it's flexible. We can do that. So it's going to cost. It's like and they, you know, contract manufacturers have to make the money. You know, contract manufacturers margins, you know, a medical device manufacturer, there's a lot of risk. But then there's a lot of reward. But then a lot of them fail. Contract manufacturers, we're, we just take a little cut. You know, we're, we're not making huge profits here. Um we're here to be flexible and, and, you know, keep the work going, but we're not going to make the, you know, when I was at, you know, some of the contract, the, the medical manufacturers, the margins they made on good products are like amazing 
compared right. to what you know manufacturers would make, contract manufacturers right. would make. So, Etienne, I I can I can talk all day about contract manufacturing. I don't want to hog the the questions for Mark. Uh, so jump in, please. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I mean, you covered a, several of the things that I was curious about. Um, a little bit more maybe about process validation and uh, um, the presence of the manufacturer versus the contract manufacturer in in, uh, in that process. Um, how involved is it, should they be? Right. Um, the good pro- – I mean, if you're doing work in the good manufacturer, what you should probably do is when you – you know, first step, you, you've, you've selected a manufacturer and you think they're best based on location and expertise and stuff like that, and you've, you've set up a supplier quality agreement, so you set that expectation. So the first thing you should probably set up is a master validation plan. Mm. So this is what the expectation of how we're going to validate this product. And part of it is, here's the manufacturing process flow. You're going to need it for your regulatory submissions. So you might as well get it put right. in a document right out, right away. Here's the manufacturing process flow. Now, depending on the criticality of what's going in the manufacturing process flow, um, you're going to need a PFMEA or a risk assessment on the process. Yeah. And so the best typical way is the process uh, failure modes effects analysis, and it's sort of a bottoms-up approach. Now, there's other ways of doing it. You can do a top-down approach too. Um, but you're really trying to determine the risk <clears throat> of the contract manufacturer making a product that's going to meet spec. So you can you can build that you can build an FMEA right into your risk management document. You do them standalone separate, depending on how complex the product is. And then in there, where you get your process flow, it's like, can the can the outputs of these these processes by be verified by the next step? And no, yes, no. So then that process flow, you say, that one needs to be validated. That one needs to be validated. That one needs to be validated, these steps. And then you lay it all out in one document. Now, if you're sterilized, put your sterilization in there. So this is something that you use as a way of controlling everything. And then as this is the plan and you release it and then you send copies to your contract factory, you might revise this plan a few times through it. But then as reports, you know, this validation is done. Oh, it failed, but I got to change this. When you do that, then you modify the plan, but then you release reports that say, this is what the output is. And this is the report number from this, you know, get the reports defined. So then when your validation is done and the report master validation report is done, all the information for your regulatory submissions already defined. What happens is a lot of companies didn't do that. And I mean, right now I'm, I'm doing a ton of uh, companies are doing remediation from for the EU MDRs because, you know, yeah. class threes, did, we're always doing this. Right. But class one and twos weren't. So it's like, oh, we need to do this. We need to validate. Well, we never validated it because you didn't, we asked you to, and you said, no, you weren't going to pay for it. So I'm just going to do, you know, it meets spec, but I'm, you know, I'm not doing CPK analysis on all these things all the time. So the big guys, they, they come in with, they come in with the master validation plan here. This is what I want you to do, but the small guys don't. And so if you're going in, I'd say you develop a master, you know, talk to them about creating a master validation plan. And if they can only do part of it, that's fine. But then it's your document. And you talk to your other contract manufacturers and add to it. So you have one document to find where all everything for that product is going to be. So when you're I'm, I'm glad you mentioned PFMEA uh, <laughs> um, caveat, uh, some folks have labeled me as the anti-FMEA guy. And um, there's an asterisk to that. Uh, I think uh, the too many people have used FMEA as the only tool that they're they're using from a risk management perspective during the design process. And there's a point in time where FMEA during design is is helpful, but it is invaluable 
uh, for, for manufacturing processes. It is a wonderful, wonderful tool. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I think a lot, that that's another one of those things that raises the flag or my spidey sense is when a contract, when you ask contract manufacturer about how they're assessing risk of the manufacturing process. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, Whoa. <laughs> well, we're actually doing something interesting here. We're trying something new. Uh, it's almost, the manufacturer didn't ask it, but you know, if we had an issue, we know we have like higher, you know, scraps on a on a certain you know product. Yeah. We'll actually, when it's running, you know, a quality engineer will sit there with the press operator and walk through and say, okay, what can happen wrong here? Nice. What can happen wrong here? And you're talking, it's just the engineer with the with the with the person the operator running yeah, it cool. versus these engineers sitting in a room guessing what's yeah. happening. Yeah, that's and it's like, right. okay, these are the things that happen. Okay. What's what do you think? This is high, medium, or low? Red, green, Absolutely. yellow for this is like that. Okay, that's a risk assessment. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be this RPN numbers and all this other stuff. It's like what can you do? And then, and then can I fix that from ever happening again? Yeah, if we just move this over here and did this over here, then I yeah, Wonderful. yeah. That's right. what they want. So you try to mitigate exactly. risk. That's they all don't want doing. engineers barricading themselves <laughs> in a conference room for eight hours for three days straight to, to come up with some magic, you know, whatever. And this, this fail, this risk. Well, that's a risk. Like, yeah. Well, whatever happened? Uh, no. What will happen? Well, they can mix the roles up. It's like, well, how about we label the roles differently so they right. can't mix them up? It's like, yeah. Oh, you know, what can really happen? And you ask the people, ask people do, making the product. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. I, I can remember being on a manufacturing line where we had a failure. Everybody was gathered around the failure. And <laughs> me and another guy just started walking upstream. And I said, hey, would, if it failed like at this operation, when would we detect it? He said, well, not until there. I'm like, okay, so we can go all the way up to here. The, the potential failure could be six machines upstream. Um, so that's you've got to start looking up there. That's, that's really interesting. John beat me to it when he was talking about the PFMEA. Um, so when we're building out this PFMEA document, are you suggesting it would be kind of a, uh, it's it, the manufacturer is going to own this document, but uh, working in chunk conjunction or, or in partnership with the, the manufacturer, the contract manufacturer to develop. That. Right. Yeah. Cause some of it is like, well, what's going to fail? This is going to fail. It's like, do you care about that? I mean, like, Oh, that radius on this corner. I, I can't, I can't hold three thou on that radius. It's like, uh, I don't care what the radius is as long as it doesn't. Maybe your spec's too tight. Loosen your spec up. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Change your spec. And that's the kind of thing in PFMEA is like the spec needs to change. And during the validation, oh, this fails. Like, well, do you need that or not? How's that going to affect the patient? If it does, great. If it doesn't, you know, is this tubing going to come out? Well, what's going to happen? Here. I can't pull it. It's like, okay, yeah. that is strong enough. Okay, now measure that and tell me what it is. And I can tell you that's the spec going to be because that's strong enough because Nobody's going to be able to pull that off or something. You know? Well, so. I mean, you, you just said something, you know, about the patient, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think sometimes the, the, uh, the, the, the OEM uh, is not sharing information about the use of the product with the CM. And it's like, you get, you got to share that information because you don't need to expect your contract manufacturer to become an expert in the, how the product is going to be used, but they need to have enough knowledge so that they know if X, Y, and Z happens that, that, wow, that's a critical component. That's the patient contacting, or it's used for this type of procedure. Right. Um, I I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, if it's patient contacting too, it's like, what's the biocompatibility? So 
anything you use to clean this machine, make if it's going to contaminate the product, I need to know about it. And that was a huge recall. I remember on um, well, this is about a reprocessor. There, you know, some company was reprocessing these dialysis filters, and they the company changed the solution. It's like uh, that they were cleaning with, and ended up you know killing some patients because they changed something, and they thought, well, it cleans it better. It's like uh, yeah, but it's not biocompatible. So, you know, and the contract manufacturer didn't know how it was used. So, I mean, so really, really need to communicate on, you know, how it's used and what it's used for and um, understand, you know, scopes and process controls. That's really great. And as John mentioned, I know he can go on for hours and I can probably ask you more questions for myself. I want to be, you know, respectful of your time and our listeners time. Maybe we can have you back. I don't want to um, be too uh, presumptuous here, but uh, um, what do you think, John? We close? Well, I mean, I think we've we've talked a, a lot about some, I would say, generalities when it comes to contract manufacturer today. So, Mark, let's um, let's put our thinking caps on, and and the next time we talk about contract manufacturer, maybe we could be a little bit more pointed and a little bit more specific. Sure. But yeah, if you're willing, love to have you back and talk about this topic uh, uh, down down the road sometime soon. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah, details right. of sections and naming and numbering <laughs> and configurations that you want to do and categorizations. And <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of fun we're gonna have here. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and shut this one down today. Mark uh, Rikovich with Innovise and Castell. So thank you for sharing your wisdom on on contract manufacturing. Uh, and Etienne Nichols, uh, the uh, co-host of the Global Medical Device Podcast, joining me. Uh, so that's this has been exciting, um, folks. You know, again, I want to remind you. Of course, Greenlight Guru. We we have a medical device success platform that's designed for you, the medical device professional by actual medical device uh, professionals like Etienne and myself. So if if you're struggling or need some assistance with streamlining your processes around design and development, document and record management, post-market quality events, uh, well, go check it out. www.greenlight.guru. You can learn a lot more about all the workflows that are in the Greenlight Guru software platform. And we'd love to chat with you and understand your needs and requirements and see if we have products and solutions that, that might help you. So again, check that out, www.greenlight.group. As always, appreciate you, the listener of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Listeners are what continue to uh, make the Global Medical Device Podcast the number one podcast in the medical device industry. So thank you for that. Continue to spread the word. Uh, and until next time, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.